Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, guys. Texans Unfiltered. Young Ari Gold here with my friend and co-host John Wade, the Garnet Texan. Uh, John, yesterday was a stinker. Um, I don't. I think there's a there's a lot to get into, but I think the main thing that we need to get into right now is what seems to be the biggest debate on Twitter on on Texans Twitter is the fact that who is to blame, Obi or Deshaun Watson? Now, we all know what happened yesterday. Yesterday, we lost to the Carolina Panthers, Kyle Allen at quarterback. We forced three turnovers, still only got one touchdown on a rushing touchdown from Deshaun. We were able to move the ball but couldn't score in the red zone. Uh, Defense at the end wasn't able to hold Kyle Allen. J.J. whiffed on a huge sack. Um, But what I'm seeing today is that there's a ton of finger-pointing. And it seems to me, John, that people don't seem to have a grasp on the fact that this is the ultimate team game. Am I, am I correct? Which is, you know, honestly kind of, I don't want to come on this podcast and defend Bill O'Brien. I really don't. There's some, there's definitely a couple of things that he did that are just beyond reproach, but I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, that's too dramatic of language. That's too harsh. Like, he made a couple of bonehead moves. Like, he's human. That that does happen. But there's a quote, and I'm going to butcher it because I didn't realize this is what we were starting off with, is head coaches get too much credit when the team's winning and too much blame when they're losing. Yeah, it's a old time He's not the uh, he's not the guy out there making the plays. He's not the guy out there catching the ball, throwing the ball. And it's one of those things where they've done this great job of making everybody believe that the offense was so complicated that everybody turns around and starts pointing fingers. If anything, the offense is probably a little bit too simple because um, it relies a lot. Like Deshaun even said, he was having to wait on double moves to develop because of the way that they were playing zone. But you can blame the loss on Bill O'Brien because there was plays and having an extra timeout could have definitely swung the game the right direction. But at the same time, we shouldn't be in a position where that one play messing up, that extra timeout costing us the game against the team like the Panthers should have even happened. Um, we had way more talent. Deshaun is Deshaun is a very capable quarterback, and he had an off day. And part of it is, you know, and that's really ultimately what it comes down to. Um, Deshaun couldn't go out there and execute, and he – We'll be the first one to admit it. Our defense did what they needed to do, minus the uh, the J.J. Watt whiff on a sack that I can't believe. I think that might be the first time I've ever seen J.J. whiff like that. But, I mean, honestly, yeah, ultimately it comes down to the players executing. And there's a talented roster. Guys were put in a position. Plays were called that should have been able to have been – should have been able to, um, what is the word I'm looking for? The plays were very, there was nothing wrong with the, the way the plays were called. But, I don't know. That's honestly one of the most defeating games that I've ever ever actually watched. Because you could sit there and watch it, and there's not an easy person to point fingers at other than Deshaun, because he didn't go out there and just, he didn't go out there and make plays. Which, since we've had Deshaun, is a very awkward feeling. This is one thing where you go out and you look at a quarterback like Ryan Mallett, where you're just utterly defeated the whole time, or Brock Osweiler, where we're like, oh, no, he has to throw the ball. We are screwed. And with this game, it's a weird feeling because you're like, all right, Deshaun's going to do it. He's going to do it. 
he's going to do it, and it just never happened. Yeah, I think here, – here's what I think. I think that ultimately both are responsible for what happened yesterday. OB's play calling at, at times, obviously the Hopkins pass – I don't even know where that came from. or I mean, I know where it came from. I know we've done it, I think, three times in the Bill O'Brien era. But in that situation, while your offense is moving the ball, it doesn't make a lot of sense to try to do something like that. Um, so that play was an issue. And there were a couple other ones as well. You know, we 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 had some success with Duke Johnson on the ground, running outside. And then we never saw Duke Johnson run outside yet again. Um, but the the biggest issue yesterday, unfortunately, was Deshaun Watson. And that's okay. It's, it's not what we want. We want to win. We expect Deshaun to be great forever. He's shown what he's capable of being. But at the end of the day, a great quarterback can overcome bad play calls. And it's not going to be the first time that a great quarterback has had a bad game. There's not, it's not the first time that we go out and we lose a winnable game because of our quarterback. And it's not the, that's happened to Hall of Famers. It's going to happen. It happened to Aaron Rodgers for 12 years with Mike McCarthy. Yeah. It's just, these things kind of happen with football. It's why you play football. The It's not like the running game was doing that great. Duke Johnson did spring a couple. Um, I wish – here's one of the things with Deshaun, and it's one of the things that makes him great, but it's also one of the things that you wish he could kind of turn it off sometimes. He almost always starts his reads high to low. He is looking for the big play first. He is looking to throw it to Hopkins first, which is why we don't throw it underneath as much as we should. If he would look to the slot sometimes first, if he would look to the running back sometimes first, that would be the difference in our offense. And this is not Deshaun not being able to read a defense. This is Deshaun being so confident in himself that he's still going to beat the defense when he sees what it is. And you need that confidence. You have to to play quarterback at the NFL. Look at the beating that he, that he gets in the press conferences. Um, look at the questions that he has to answer. Look at the physical toll that it takes just for him to play that position. You need to have that confidence. And I hope he never loses that confidence. But Here's the thing about Tom Brady, and it's annoying as all hell. Most of the game, he is looking for on the interior at the middle of the field, those easy passes, those easy completions. And the fantasy footballers call it they run through the air, those short passes that just eat up yards, eat up time. And it kind of gives quarterbacks rhythm. There's a time and a place to go for the kill shot. Deshaun wants to go for the kill shot every single play in the game. And bless him. I'm not hating on it because that's what makes him amazing. I just wish that, and maybe it'll come with age, because um, he's been, he's actually for being a third year quarterback, he's asked to do a whole lot. He's asked to do a whole lot within that offense. Um, he's asked to do a whole lot with blitz coverage, pointing out who's essentially the mic, audible on at the line. Like he, According to Bill O'Brien, he has the full playbook every time he steps up. So that's a lot of responsibility for a third-year quarterback. And then you see what he's able to do in most games. However, there's going to be a game like yesterday where he was just off on his deep pass, and he just, he he didn't adjust. And you know what? I'm going to get into this this post-game conference a little bit, this big question that is lighting up Twitter. So the fact that this is that popular on in the Twitter sphere 
is kind of concerning with our with our journalists. I expect average fans shouldn't know what cover four is. I should we're switching to cover two, and essentially the defenses that Deshaun Watson called out. Some of the comments, though, like, oh, they gave us a glimpse into things that people never hear. It's like those are pretty standard defenses. There's a reason why a lot of commentators shy away from it because it's part of the defense's job is to disguise what type of coverage they had. So it's very easy to sit here on, on a podcast or on radio or whatnot and just can be completely wrong. For as good as Brett Coleman is, there's been times where he'll pull up game field and he'll point out that this is the defense and then a player from that defense or that coordinator will say, no, 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 he he got it wrong. That, that happens, but the words that Deshaun was using are pretty standard. There was nothing secretive about that. And that's where we do need media people to kind of step in and kind of explain what he is even talking about. Because he didn't say anything mind-numbing or mind-breaking or it shouldn't be breaking Twitter like it is, like it's the greatest response ever. He's just stating what he saw. And it actually does take guts to say this is what I saw because the Panthers can now go in and if – if Deshaun said something wrong, they now know how to disguise it again to make him think that he sees cover four again. Well, here's the thing. with There's a lot to unpack there. One, let's, let's continue on to the viral tweet of Deshaun breaking down a cover four and a cover two. Deshaun should be able to do that. Now, to the average fan, that's mind-blowing. That's like, oh, my God. Wow. I even saw people be like, he even knew the player's name. Yeah, he knew the player's name because they went over it in film every day this prior week. It's also not hard to know Eric Reed's name, considering it's Eric Reed. So it's not really a shock. These are things that a pro quarterback should be able to do. Props to Aaron Reese for asking the question, because content like that out of press conferences would go a lot further if we were able to have those kind of conversations. And if you ask Bill O'Brien those type of conversations, he'll talk about those with you more. But instead, our local media, which is absolute garbage, pure trash, they're the worst. I honestly believe they are the worst at covering this team. They ask awful, dumb, easy questions that anybody should know by now what the answers are going to be. I'm glad that Aaron asked it. I'm glad that Deshaun, one, didn't take it as an insult. He even corrected himself to make sure that he wanted everybody to know. Like, I'm not, I'm not asking if you knew what coverage that was, basically, just to be a jerk. I'm asking in case you really didn't know because I'm going to go through it with you. Here's what I'm seeing. That's great. That that's that's what a, that's what a, all that's what all pro quarterbacks should be doing. They should be able to read the defenses, and some quarterbacks. You know, I really, I really wish that they would have more press conferences where quarterbacks and players kind of answer that. This, I again, I kind of said it at the end. They don't because if Deshaun Watson said something wrong. The Panthers now know how to disguise it into switching, making their defense look like a cover forward to Deshaun because that's what they think he saw. But, I, again, this that sort of stuff should be more out there. Commentators should go out on a limb and kind of risk it. It's okay if a commentator gets it wrong. It's okay if a sportscaster gets it wrong. That way fans will kind of know what they're trying to do. Um, we put all this... We deify these coaches, and then we demonize them if they don't do what we expect, but we don't quite understand the plays. And that's one thing, and like I said earlier, I hate to come out here and defend Bill O'Brien, but if you understand kind of like the chess, the chess matchup on why plays are called versus certain defenses, I think that you'll appreciate Bill O'Brien more as a head coach and an offensive play designer then right now we're like, well, why didn't he throw it to the open man? It's like, well, that's very easy to say. Well, at the end of the day, the open man, I think that's a totally different conversation, John. 
Because, yes, you have the guy you're supposed to go to that's designed for that play, but when you're getting harassed or you're extending the play and you're taking unnecessary hits when receivers are open because you're looking for the big play each time, that doesn't fall on O'Brien. That falls on Deshaun. And and there was a lot right. of that yesterday. A lot of it. And the, I only got through half of the third, well, like the first, second, and half of the third today. And I can tell you right now, based on just what I saw without all 22, three of the sacks that he took were all on Deshaun Watson. Oh yeah, I mean, that's well, a that's, conversation. Unfortunately, that's kind of that's kind of also typical for Deshaun. It's that big risk. It's what we start with is what a quarterback starts with pre-snap is he is looking at the defense and where he thinks to look first for his first read. With Bill O'Brien, that first read is not predetermined until they see the defense set up. Usually it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. We all know it's usually going to be DeAndre Hopkins. However, Deshaun, regardless of how the defense looks up or lines up, pretty much guarantees that it is almost always going to be DeAndre Hopkins. And this year, and as a fantasy football player that owns Deshaun Hopkins and DeAndre Hopkins, sorry, I can't believe I just did that, um, DeAndre Hopkins in way too many leagues, you kind of know how that's kind of working out this year. Teams have kind of keyed into that. Hopkins is as unstoppable as a wide receiver can be. However, this year they have managed to limit him, and this is what's making Watson's life so much harder. And Watson will sit there in the pocket, and he will wait it out until he thinks he has a play on a play to throw it to Hopkins, or he'll wait for Fuller or Stills to break a deep a deep route free. That's what he's waiting for. He's not looking underneath. He's not looking at his easy passes. This is part of the reason why Stills is getting more playing time than, than Kiki because, first off, well, Stills is a fantastic player. This is not a, not a dish on him. But Bill O'Brien recognized that this is how Deshaun is going to read the field no matter what he tries to do. So he got another receiver that lines up for that skill set with Watson, and that's what Stills does. He's a great receiver, and he does fit how Deshaun wants to play. And he fits it more on how he wants to play than even Kiki does and how Duke Johnson wants to play because Deshaun, when he does look underneath, he usually only looks at one read underneath. He does not look at the running back and the slot receiver and the tight end. He looks at one of those because that's all he has time left for after going through all of his deeper progressions. Well, so there's a lot there to unpack too. So, First, let's, I'm, I want to finish up the, the, the press conference thing. Um, another reason why conversations like that don't happen at press conferences is because the casual fans don't really care about that stuff. You, me, the diehard fans, we would love to have press conferences that were in that, like heading that direction for every question. But that's not what they want to hear, and that's not how press conferences are going to go. Uh, two, with the pre-snap reads, I think you hit it right on the head. The biggest issue this this year, 2019, is just the fact that defenses have figured out that Deshaun is locking in on DeAndre Hopkins. And not that they're shutting DeAndre Hopkins down, but they're just putting even more attention to DeAndre and trying to force Deshaun to go somewhere else. And Deshaun doesn't want to do that. Also, pre-snap, Deshaun has to get better at picking up blitzes and and changing the protection to to offset the blitzes that are coming his way. This year, we I mean, we talked about at the end of last year, John, his biggest issue last year was the fact that safety and corner blitzes were coming in and he was not able to pick them up and change the projection or change the hot route to be able to get the ball off quicker. Those same things are happening this year as well. It's not an area that he has gotten any better at. He hasn't. You can't say that he has. He has not gotten any better this year than what he was last year against the Browns when the whole NFL figured out that if you want to beat Deshaun Watson, you send corner and safety blitzes all day long. You disguise your second-level blitz, and you bring it. And he's going to wait in the pocket long enough that they're always going to hit. 
there's not enough quick concepts, not enough non-screens, non-bubble screens um, that he executes. They're there, but he just doesn't execute them. It's just he's got to wrap that around. He's either A, he has to see the blitzer, which sometimes, which, which is actually frustrating, is that blitzer will sneak up on him and he'll never turn his head. He'll be looking to the left the entire time from the moment that he sets the play, sets the uh, line. He's already looked to the right. He'll move to the left, and he never looks back to the right. Now, he doesn't do this all the time, but the amount of times that it happens on a on a corner blitz, I'm like, Deshaun, dude, you are way too smart for this. Well, he did it on the final play on <laughs> offense got, yesterday. Yeah. And look what happened. He's way too smart, and he, and, but it still happens. And he's too good of a quarterback, and – Here's I think he he's gonna get over it. He's going to figure it out. It's still very early in the season. It's just right now it, it's got it's just tough to watch. And again, I it's like here I want to join the whole trash Bill O'Brien brigade. Like that's what's going on. But there's simple things that if Deshaun had done, nobody cares about the dumb shit that Bill O'Brien just said. Um. Well, here's 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 my question, John. What evidence is there that he is going to get better? And I know Texans fans don't want to have that question asked right now. But what evidence has Deshaun showed us that this is an area of his game that he is going to improve on? We haven't seen it yet, and he had an entire offseason to work on this. And I said it from the beginning of the offseason that this was the one area that he really needed to make the biggest difference in. I'll take the overthrows. It's going to happen. No, no quarterback is perfect on deep throws. But if he wants to have a career, his career last for a long time in this league, he's going to have to figure it out or we're going to end up being heartbroken fans because he's going to end up getting hurt because he's just taking too many hits. Like, I, and I understand like the Mike Tannenbaum. I, I saw all that. I saw like, that's fine. Whatever. I, we all know how many hits he's taking. We all know about the sacks he's taking. He's, he's only two sacks behind Kyler Murray and uh, blah, 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 blah. I get it. I understand. We also know that that's part of his game. He's going to take sacks. But at the same time, he has to learn, one, to throw it away. That's – if I had – honestly, if I had one of the biggest issues I have with Deshaun, is just – it's not even just the picking up of blitzes and pre-snap reads. It's the fact that he won't live to fight another down. He would rather try to extend the play and be able to chunk it deep and take a hit than just throw it away and – go to the next down and hope that you can make a play. And only time I ever see him throw it out, throw it, throw it away is when he's scrambling for his life on the sideline and might potentially get hit before he goes out of bounds so he'll throw it away. This is not the, and and you know, we've had the Watson cast 3 years in a row. We we love Deshaun. And I think this might be a bigger issue and this might hurt you a little bit, but the problem with Houston sports fans is the fact that we cannot criticize the star player on your team because if we do, we're questioned as fans or we're questioned as if we don't have the knowledge to be able to do so. And it's okay to criticize a player. Deshaun will be the first to say that he, he even said it all last night in the press conference. He knows exactly what he needs to do. It's just, will he do it? No, you're not wrong. It's I think that it it's part of the problem with Houston. It's not just Houston. Some of these guys, they reach a level that they are beyond reproach with us. And instead, a lot of the frustration that's pointed at him gets doubled down on Coach O'Brien. Again, I hate that I'm here defending him. It feels like I have to defend him every week when I really 
don't want to. I just don't think he's he's as bad as everybody makes him out to be. And again, these guys are all humans. They're not robots. Like Deshaun Watson is not going to go out there and perform like his Madden character every single week. And and I, we know he's going to get better because he has shown improvement every single or every single game. This is something that has this is. The secondary blitz, his second-level blitzes have messed with his head, but that is something that is entirely common with young quarterbacks, and especially young quarterbacks with his mindset. Now, it is something that I fully believe that he can overcome because there are quick ways for him to do it. He's just – it's on him. He's got to do it. And I think that watching him walking the field with a notebook – after the game, sitting there with that look in his eye, it's kind of one of the things Clemson fans used to always tell us, tell me about Deshaun. He will get too high sometimes. He will get too confident sometimes. And when that happens, he'll have a couple of bad games, and he'll come back down to earth, he'll double down, and he will fix it. And he, they said he did that in college. I did not watch every one of his college games. But I'm going to buy into it right now because, you know, he was riding a little bit of high. He was, what was he, the FedEx um, Air Offensive Player of the Week last week. He wants to go out and he wants to win the game on it on his own. And sometimes he's got to realize that he's got players underneath that he can get the ball out to and he's just got to get it out to them quicker to set up those chances for him to go out and win the game on his own. And I, he's going to do it. He's going to. He's either going to do it or he's going to get hurt. And I would rather be with the belief that he's going to get it figured out. I agree that he will figure it out. My biggest fear is just the fact that when we go against really good teams in the playoffs, we see another Colts game of last year. I mean, that's something to fear. He's still a young quarterback. I mean, last year was essentially his rookie season. We're now into year two. So, yeah, he it may happen. He may go out there and lay another goose egg during the playoffs. And I hope that he figures it out, though, so we can watch him do it for the next ten years. So you just have to get a hot streak once. That's it. Look at Aaron Rodgers. He's only won one. And we would have killed to have Aaron Rodgers out here. We would kill to have one. I've given up on seeing the Super Bowl in my lifetime. I hope it happens in my kids' lifetime. But it would be nice to have a chance. And I think that if Deshaun gets this figured out, then we at least have a chance for the next for the next decade. May never happen, but you know we'll get to get to hope for it. And that's the type of feeling he has. So yeah. we'll take it. I, I think I think Deshaun will figure it out. I think Deshaun has to figure it out. I know that he was on the field last night after the game working with Quincy Avery. He's doing all the right things. He's always going to do all the right things. But we're in a position now where Deshaun really has to take over and really be the best that he can be for us to continue to be the team that we have the potential to be. I still believe that between weeks one through three, we're a combination of those three teams. And I'm just hoping that they're able to put it all together. Um, the game yesterday itself, like, we can get into the game. I know you guys want to talk about it, or maybe you don't want to talk about it. But the fact of the matter is, we were not very good yesterday on all levels. If you take away the three turnovers, which I'm not going to say they were flukes. They were great plays. They were all great plays. Like they, they, they all happened because the guys made the plays. But outside of those three takeaways, the defense really wasn't amazing if you look at what Christian McCaffrey did to us. Like, I, I saw tweets all day yesterday, like, oh, defense was solid, did everything it needed to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yes, they got us three turnovers. John, you've said it millions of times. You can't count on turnovers. 
it's almost pure luck on the turnover category. You can't plan for it. You can just hope for it. I think it was exactly what you said. And if you look at how they attacked us and how Christian McCaffrey just exploited us, the defense was not great yesterday. And I saw a lot of that. Yes, like a lot of that talk. And I think a lot of it was just blinded by the fact that we caused three turnovers and the offense was atrocious. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, it was one of the things that you could even hear it during the, uh, the the broadcast where the guys are like, well, the Texans have done a good job of keeping McCaffrey under control. And then they're like, he only has 160 yards. It's like, you could hear that hesitation. It's like, yeah, he ran all over us. And, the thing with turnovers is they can't be predicted, and they can't even really be relied on. And thank God we had them because that game, the score could have been completely different. Here's yeah. the thing about yesterday's game: it could have been a if Deshaun connects on two passes, we win rather easily. If just two big passes, if those turnovers don't happen and those passes get connected, then we have an old-style shootout or an old Saints-style shootout. And if we continue to miss those passes but we don't get those turnovers, then we get blown out, and we would be really pissed. Yeah, I think I think the part that people tend to not think about is just the fact that if Deshaun hits those two deep passes – the game is completely different. They're not running as often. They're for, we're forcing Kyle Allen to throw more. Um, I'll say this also. Kyle Allen played a pretty good game yesterday, minus the turnovers, the fumbles. As a quarterback, from throwing the from a throwing the ball perspective, he was really good yesterday. Yeah, you could for a... I know he's not a rookie, but for someone making his, what, third career start? Yeah. Yeah, he did pretty good. He he had a good game. Um, and that last, that last play, that last third down, where he was able to make J.J. miss and then hit his receiver to seal the game, like, that's what you want your quarterback to do. I know he didn't get him in the end zone. You know, I know, well, technically he got them to the end zone. McCaffrey punched it in, but I know he didn't throw any TDs, um, but I think he had a pretty clean game. Um, the the I guess the positives of the game, John, the, there were a couple that I, I took away. One, this linebacking group is by far the strongest position group on this team. Oh, yeah. And that's, and that's, There's no and that's, doubt. And that's after the fact that we gave up 180 yards or whatever we gave up to Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey's going to get his. You can only hope to limit him. And in in, in the passing game, good luck stop good luck stopping him because you're not going to. Um, but the linebacking group as a whole, Zach is just coming on strong. Dylan Cole had a solid game, special teams and playing middle linebacker. Whitney had a great game. BMAC had a great game. This line grab, linebacking group is just incredible. No, they really are. And there was a couple of plays that BMAC stayed with McCaffrey, and I thought we were screwed. And No, he stayed with them. And Cunningham, by the end of the year, you're right, everybody's going to know who Cunningham is. DJ Reader continues to take it to just this is his year. Um, I don't know how we're going to re-sign all these guys because we're coming up into some pretty tough decisions, which is probably why we have so much salary cap space right now because it's kind of scary for the next offseason because we're going to grow to love these guys that we've seen develop, and they're not going to be able to keep all of them if they keep playing like this. And here's the other good thing I would take from this game. We are – Less than 10 points away from being 4-0. And we have talked about it in the past, how every team under Bill O'Brien has been not just a slow starter in games, but a slow starter during the season. So 
there's still plenty of time for everything to get kind of straightened out. And this team is honestly the strongest team that we've had since maybe 2002. Um, 2002? You mean 2012? Well, 2012, I'm sorry. 2012. See, I can't even... It's not just names anymore. Now it's numbers. But... Yeah, maybe numbers weren't in the book. They weren't. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, this team is... And it's kind of scary because if we don't do anything this year, who who knows if we're going to get another opportunity like this. But as a well-rounded team where J.J. is still quite – he's still not the J.J. of old, but he's still pretty pretty good. And, I mean, I wish J.J. was a couple of years younger, uh, as everybody does. But for the most part, this collection of talent, it's a very, very solid group. There's a reason why er- – the predictions had us winning the South, even with Andrew Luck still playing. Now there's always going to be bumps in the road. Again, remember a couple of years back, the Patriots started like 2-2, two and two, and everybody said that they were done, and then they, you know, went to the next three Super Bowls. So don't put too much stock into the early season yet. However, yeah. it's okay to get emotional about it. I mean... That that game sucked to watch. It really did. And, I mean, I I really do wish that Bill O'Brien was as bad as Twitter said he was because I would love for us to go throw throw the bank at Lincoln Riley. I'm, I'm afraid that a team that we play every year, like the Jaguars, is going to be the team that ends up getting him, and I think that he's the special coach. And I, I think Bill O'Brien's an above-average coach. I don't think he's a special coach. I think that he's got a special football IQ, but it doesn't necessarily translate into the field. Um, but I think Lincoln Riley might be something else. And Bill O'Brien isn't quite bad enough for us to get rid of him and go get Lincoln Riley, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I wish he was. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that stuff yet. We're still in week four. Um, all right. So some of the good or some of the things that I took away from the game yesterday: uh, the pass rush was missing Charles Amenhew. It was just apparent, and I didn't expect to to see that, but outside of Whitney and J.J., there was nobody else that could get after the quarterback. Um, so luckily for us, he's feeling better, and he'll be back this week. And then stop me at any time if you want to comment on anything. Um, Bradley Roby is a solid corner, just like I told you guys in the offseason when I told you we wanted to sign him. Um, he is a solid corner. Um, Zach Cunningham and Tashawn Gibson did a hell of a job on Greg Olson. Hell of a job. Uh, okay, the Hopkins pass. I mean, do we really need to talk about it? It, go, it? it goes, I don't even know if I was to rank the two, which would be the worst play call, the Watcat or this, this boneheaded play on the 20, um, expecting DeAndre to throw it across the field. Um, but... Both were awful, awful play calls, and Bill O'Brien deserves all of that. Uh, Brian Anger is a god. I think it's fair. Um, The pass to DeAndre Hopkins that was overthrown, if you actually watch Deshaun and his mechanics, he he doesn't step into the throw. He basically throws it off of one foot. He doesn't go through his his formation completely. Um, Duke Johnson is extremely good on the outside and extremely good with the ball in his hands and needs to happen more. Whitney is really good at football. The, oh, this was one thing. I think you, you'll – I mean, you probably won't have much to expand on because it's just one play. But that toss play, that toss option to Kiki out of the backfield was a very, very nice wrinkle. I don't know if you remember that play because I know you. I don't think you got to see all of it. Oh, again, I, you know, don't make me defend Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Please stop. 
No, no, no. I, look, I don't think, John, I don't think that it's defending Bill O'Brien. I think what it is is being objective and, and, and just bringing up facts that it's just not Bill O'Brien. It's it's just right. not Bill O'Brien. It's it's every aspect of this. There's so much that is tied into it. I don't think we're defending Bill O'Brien. I think we're just bringing in other parts of the story that need to be a part of this. This is a this is the ultimate team sport, and that goes for coaches and players. The coaches can put the players in position to succeed, but the players still have to make the play to be successful. Now, yes, there are bonehead play calls, absolutely. And they happen two or three times a week. I get it. But how closely are you watching the other 16 games that are happening on sun- Thursday, Sunday, and, and, and Monday? I guarantee you there are a couple. Does anybody remember when Freddie Kitchens ran a draw on third and nine? Okay, these, these things happen. So Bill O'Brien is not the only one making bonehead calls. It's just amplified because it's our team and we're watching it. Okay? Uh, what's the coach? Uh, Peterson? What's his first name? Doug Peterson, right? In, yeah, in, Doug Peterson. Yeah, Doug. He's made a couple bonehead pl- play calls. Uh, Andy Reid. He's actually had a couple bonehead play calls, and he's had quite a bit in his career. Kyle Shanahan. Um, Sean McVay. Didn't have a great game. Remember, Andy, remember Andy Reid was run out of Philadelphia. Correct. So my point is, and what John is trying to say, so John, I don't think you need to keep saying I don't want to defend Bill O'Brien because I don't think that you're defending Bill O'Brien. I think you're just educating people on what they need to keep in mind when it comes to this team and when it comes to the offense and just how the team performs as a whole. There's just a lot of moving pieces that have to uh, be put in the right place for this team to to succeed. And yesterday was an example of what it looks like when those pieces aren't put in the right place. Fair? Fair enough. Fair. Uh, I, think, I, I mean, I think you got it right. I, again, there's a lot to be upset about. There really is. However, just, I mean, people want to be mad. Be mad. Just try and remember that sometimes, it's like I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody, but some of these complaints out there, you're kind of showing your ass when when you make them. They accuse, there's legitimate complaints they have about the Bill Ryan offense. Um, there's not a lot of great passing concepts. There's not a lot of rub routes. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of play action anymore because they don't want to put Deshaun at any more risk by doing play action from a shotgun, which, I mean, honestly, as much as Deshaun gets hit, I, why, I don't understand the thinking from getting away from that. They, but they do a lot there's a lot that the Bill O'Brien offense does do well. It is a spread-based concept. If you say that it's an old style that he's looking for a statuesque quarterback, you're just, again, accusing him of the same thing that people accused him of when they said that he only had success because of Brady. Bill O'Brien with the Patriots did bring a lot of the concept, spread concepts and run and shoot out, or not run and shoot, but a lot of the spread air raid concepts that were – you know, they're related to the run and shoot that we that we grew up with as Oilers fans. And he brought them to today's NFL. Now, they have to they have to execute. There's not a lot of depth to it beyond kind of disguising what it is. If a team figures out what's going on, then it is actually relatively easy to defend. And I think that he's kind of got to get into Sean's ear and make maybe script some more plays. Um, we've said this in the past. The best games that our offense ever looks prior, best games that our offense has ever looked prior to Deshaun were games that were heavily scripted. And what that means is we knew exactly what plays we were going to run. Bill O'Brien was calling them, the quarterback had no freedom to change the play, and he would go out there and we would have success with that. Now, with 
Deshaun, they're giving him the phone book and telling him to go pick his numbers. And sometimes that leads to things that are absolutely amazing. Sometimes it leads to this past weekend, especially when he's just a little bit off. Yeah. No, I think – look, I think if – there's a lot of times where during press conferences Bill O'Brien gets murdered after he's, you know, he's rude to the – a journalist, he's blah, 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 you know, he just gives us fake answers. I honestly believe that yesterday he was as honest as he could be. I think he believes that the offense was terrible. I don't think he wanted to talk about it anymore in depth. I think he just wanted to end it there and get on, move on to the next game. But he he, <coughs> he knows that the offense was awful yesterday. He knows that. He was right there. He knows the players that he has and what the team is capable of doing. We should all know as fans also what this team is capable of doing as we just witnessed it last week and we also witnessed what the offense is able to do against the Saints. Did you watch the Cowboys game last night? They didn't seem to move the ball very well against that Saints defense. I told you that defense was really good. You guys didn't believe me. They scored, I think, 12 points? Yeah. The Cowboys... Yeah, and the Cowboys have a – their offense is heavily scripted with lots of motions, and there's a lot of people out there that would say that's the type of offense that they would rather that the Texans run. Now, this is – this isn't to say those offenses can't be successful, but they they can lay duds too. They really can. And the offense that you think the Texans have is what the Titans had last year and what are what's now up there in Green Bay. I don't know how LaFert got a coaching job, especially what he's gonna do what he's gonna do to the Packers, but that's the actual offense that you think that Bill O'Brien runs, like all the the negative comments about Old school, blah, blah, blah. That's actually up in Green Bay, believe it or not. Yeah, I think also, like, the fact that coming into this, this the Cowboys game, there was a ton of talk about the Cowboys being this elite offense. But when you look at who they played leading up to this game, we would do the exact same thing. They played the three weakest teams in the NFL. They played the Giants with Eli Manning. They played the Redskins, and they played the Miami Dolphins. That's This is why you can't take through week four that serious. You really don't know what the team is right now. And to kind of go back to a point that I made week one, week two, and week three, There are so many new pieces to this offense. It's crazy. You were missing your second best lineman yesterday in Zach Fulton. Okay, and Mance got handled. He got handled. There's no other word around it. But Mance is your second guy. He's not Fulton. You have two new running backs, a new fullback, three new starting offensive linemen, a new wide receiver, a new tight end in Darren Fells. On the defense, you pretty much have an entirely new group of secondary safeties. There are so many new pieces to this team that didn't play a lot in the preseason. They're working the kinks out. But I'll say that by also saying this. Week four is gone. That excuse won't work anymore. Moving forward, we have to see the best product on the field for us to feel confident as fans that this team can go where me and you believe that they can go. Like I said, they are a combination of week one, two, and three. That's what this team's identity is. They can run the ball when they need to, they can throw the ball when they need to, and the defense can show up when it needs to. We just need to see it all, and we need to see it consistently. And to this point, we just have not seen that yet. But the fact that we all, not we all, I don't do it, you don't do it, 
But the fact that we can just forget about the things that have happened so far this season and and be in the moment and talk about one game and act like the rest don't matter is insane to me. Because all that stuff that happened in the previous weeks don't just go away. It just changes week to week. This is a week to week league. Anything can happen on Sunday. Any given Sunday. I hate to go back to the old mantra, but that's just the way the league works. And there's a reason why that's a quote. So that's what happens. I mean, look around the league. There's other teams that go out there and lay stinkers, that lay duds. It 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 happens. It, it's going to happen again. And here... There's only one team that's not going to lay a dud. And they're not in Kansas City. What team is that? Come on, John. What team is not going to lay a dud? Because even the Patriots have laid duds. They're not playing. They're not laying a dud this year. Oh, well, maybe not this year. But their dud was yesterday against the Bills. Yeah. But they still won. Because of course. They um, I'm just saying that. This happens throughout the league. Watch the entire league. Stop just focusing on only the Texans. Watch the league as a whole. It's It happens every week. Look at what freaking the Bucks just did to the Rams. Did you guys see that coming? Did you expect Jameis Winston to freaking light up the scoreboard and put 55 on the Rams? I didn't. John, did you? No. <laughs> Guess what? Nobody else did either. Vegas didn't either. Nobody did. It's just the way the league works. So get over it. It sucks. I hate losing. I hate losing at home. I hate seeing our franchise quarterback not play the top tier of where he can be. Shit happens. Move on. We have no nothing else to do at this point. It's week four. There's 12 more weeks for us to get this in line. We're still, guess what? The entire AFC South is 2-2. Two and two. You know who are the believers? Everybody but us. The Jags are not a real team. Not yet. They might be in the future if they found their quarterback. They might be. But he's going to have some learning. He's going to have some struggles too. Marcus Mariota, look, he had a great game. He's the only one that hasn't thrown an interception or blah, 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 whatever the stupid stat is. Guess what? The Titans will be the Titans. They just lost to the Jags a week ago prior to this. The Colts, they lost to the freaking Raiders yesterday. Okay? So it's our division to win. And all you need to do is win the division, get to the playoffs, and then you have a chance. It's all you need. And if you get hot, anything can happen. I think that's kind of the scary part because it really is. It's our division to kind of screw up. And it's like, let's please not not screw this up. Yeah. I mean, John, I don't really know what else to get into in this game. Um, it was just an awful game. We can point fingers wherever we need to point them. You guys do whatever helps you sleep better at night. If you want to blame B.O.B. and you expected him to not set his feet on that deep throw to DeAndre Hopkins then I guess blame B.O.B. considering Deshaun had a clean pocket to step into and actually set his feet and make the throw. He didn't do it. Okay? If you want to be mad that Zach Fulton had back spasms and wasn't able to play right guard for you, I'm sorry. Be upset that Zach Fulton couldn't. But this game is supposed to be enjoyable for us. And when I log on to Twitter and see how – it's embarrassing. It really is. It's just embarrassing to see how quick you guys turn on this team. And it's sad. It's not like it's 0-3 last year going into week four. We're 2-2 and coming out of week four. So we're in a better position than we were last year, and we won 11-5. and And guess what? It's been a tough start to the schedule. Saints, Chargers, we have the Falcons next, or the Falcons next, and then the Chiefs. After that, it's not smooth sailing, but it gets a lot easier. So let's just take it week by week. Um, all right. Before we get into the Falcons game, John, um, I've been pondering a lot. I've been thinking a lot. How do we take this podcast to the next level? 
We're already the number 138th podcast in the country for football, which to put that into, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Can't think of it. Whatever. To put that to where you can understand exactly what that means, there's 1,673 pod- football podcasts in the country right now. There's also a bunch on SoundCloud and other places. We're 138. That's because of you guys, so thank you. We are the number one Texans podcast. That's because of you guys. Thank you. How do we continue to get better, though? And I watched a documentary on Colin Cowherd, started to kind of think and ponder, and I've realized, John, the missing piece for this podcast is the fact that you and I don't have time to put together an agenda every week. With that being said, I am looking for two to three listeners that can dedicate an hour on Sunday night, whether it be with me or me and John, to come up with talking points for the podcast so we can create an agenda and give you guys an overall better product. So if you guys are interested in doing that, email me at james at texansunfiltered.com. I would love to talk to you guys and really start to put this thing together a little bit better. Also, shout out to Sputnik for working on the, the website. I appreciate it, man. Super excited. Can't wait to see it. Should be done soon, I believe. All right, let's get into the Falcons game. The Falcons this year, John, are oh, – I don't even know how to describe the Falcons this year. Um, injuries, for sure. Matt Ryan is not the quarterback that he was last year. The offense doesn't look very good. And that's what scares me <laughs> about this game. We're gonna be the uh, we're gonna be the get right game for them. Oh, we could be, we could be, because they have the potential to be a really good offense. They have all the pieces. Yeah, remember they were supposed to be the uh, the Rams of the NFC. They were supposed to be the one that goes out and just lights everybody up. Um, granted, it's not the Falcons if they don't have a bunch of people hurt which they do. But there's still enough pieces there where they, they should be able to give us trouble. They should. Now, we, we should win the game, right? But the Falcons are not a bad team. So what does that mean? That means we'll probably lose it in some heartbreaking fashion. We're not going to lose this game. But... No, I, we're going to win this I, game. I don't think we're going no, to. No, we're going to win this game, and we're going to win it pretty handily. It'd be nice if it's our get-right game and we go out there and drop 50 on them like we're capable. It's our get-right game before we go to Kansas City and beat Kansas City, or before Kansas City comes to NRG. I think it's at NRG, actually. But um, we beat Kansas City, and we beat Atlanta. I said it last week, and I'll stay by it. I know we had an awful showing yesterday. But I believe that this team has the potential to truly be one of the great teams. And I think that this will, this will be the one that we start to correct the issues, see the potential of the offense. And I think that following week, I think our defense will give them fits in Kansas City. And I think we beat Kansas City. And I just hope that that's not the peak of our season. That would definitely trip change how everybody um, is looking at the season. That'll get a lot of people. That'll get a Fuck lot of people. people. <laughs> Fuck those people. Fuck the national media. Fuck all those people. I don't care. But seriously, I don't care. I don't care. There's so much talk about what the national media thinks of this team. I don't care. I don't care. I don't it, care what Mike Tannebaum says about this team. You couldn't even keep your job as a GM in in, in New York where all you really had to do is just drop a couple pieces and you would have been fine. Like, I don't care. I don't care anymore about any of them. The only person I care about is Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd. That's the only person you care about. He's my favorite. He's he's my favorite. Oh, man. I just He at least makes edu- educated hot takes, you know? You know, what I like... When we do well is when you can watch the national media and just not us getting dumped on. As I am getting tired of the narrative about how bad our offensive line is. And those guys, they deserve better. They really do. 
And I like being able to turn on the national media and NFL Network and not be not dreading when they're about to start talking about our team. So, no, I now here's what I also want. What's here's that? what else I also want. I want to tune into a Ringer NFL show and not have Robert Mays and Kevin Clark question this team anymore because it's always so up and down with them. They believe that we have the potential to be a great team, and then we do something like this, and they're literally like, basically like, what the f? I have, I have no, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. Well, granted, that's that's the worst part because they skip over us. They end it like that. Robert and Kevin will talk for. 30 seconds about the us, and then they act like we didn't even have a game, and they move on to the next game. It's so hard. Yeah, because they have no words. But there is times, though, where they talked about us, and it's like, did you watch the game at all, or did you just read the highlights? And Yeah. Which is actually saying something, because I want to I wanna go for a team that you know these guys, because they can't – it's not possible. They've got – to watch 16 games between yesterday and whatever they put out this morning, and it's not possible. When when they act like they did watch the game, that's when it kind of aggravates me. I just want to be one of the games that does get watched. That's all. That's all I'm hoping for. Yeah. And not to get trashed on. Yeah. It's one thing to trash on us when it's legitimate, but when it's the easy box score talking points, that that just pisses me off. Yeah, I want I want the Chiefs Texans game to be the Seahawks Texans game from two seasons ago, except with a different ending. That's what I want. Well, here's ideally here's hoping. Maybe Christmas will right, come early John, a little bit this year. Yeah. All right, John. What else we got? I think we're done. <laughs> You sure you don't have anything else? You look like you might have something else. No, I think we're done. We'll just okay. we'll see how this week goes, and maybe next week we'll record on a Tuesday. So I actually part of me just wants to wait for the All Twenty Two, maybe to even do a second episode with the All Twenty Two, because just reading this, reading, I, I almost cussed again. Just reading Twitter, I should I should not read Twitter and podcasts because, granted, you do get some good rants out of me, but. Come on, people. It's one thing to have legitimate complaints. It's other things where you're just you're just yelling because you want to yell. That that's it. And that's what Twitter gives you a voice. It gives you a voice to go out there and just yell any asinine BS that you want to yell. And I can't believe that I wasted time of my life actually reading some of it. So I'm just I'm just gonna leave it at that. Yep, that's why I always want to record on Tuesdays, bro. I love the all twenty two. I love it. It's like we pay for it, yet we don't use it to talk about it. <laughs> Ever. We should do that. I, that. I just watch it for myself on a Tuesday. I, I miss my notes. I miss writing notes about it and, you know, doing a little bit of breakdown. And at, what was it, last year's episode when I went through and I counted the plays where there was an easy completion? <sighs> Again. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All 22 next week. All 22. Maybe a second episode. We'll see. We'll see if John can talk me into it. All right. All right, guys. Hey, you know and I'm just going to shout out to some people real quick. If you want to get better about watching football games, go read Crispy Brown, Rivers McCown, Pat Kerwin. Um, honestly, if you read Pat Kerwin's books, you can see where uh, Bill O'Brien's coaching philosophy comes from because I swear it's like a paint-by-numbers for how the Texans were are being built. Um, and he's pretty well respected, but it it it's actually kind of creepy. It really is kind of like a paint by numbers, and that's uh take your eye off the ball. Let's see, I just I feel like I've got to shout these out after us just kind of ranting and raving that people are making comments without any basis, and these are the things that give you basis. These are what gives you a foundation to sit there and talk. And I could not have a conversation with an actual NFL coach. There is no way. They would be talking so far over my head. Same with Deshaun Watson. But at least I could follow what they are saying. 
And that's why I would strongly recommend you go out and you read these books. It's one thing to look at all the fantasy numbers and read Almanac, uh, Football Almanac, and or, or Football Outsiders Almanac and Warren Sharp. Those are all great things, but I would suggest that you start with like the coaching breakdown so you understand what the difference between just something as simple as man and zone. You wouldn't believe how often you can look at Twitter and people still get that mixed up. Sorry, sorry. And, and and just to touch on that, no, no, no. The Kerwin book is amazing. It's definitely a read that anybody should should read. Um, not to, like, dumb it down a little bit, but, like, next time you log into Madden, go through the training tutorials. They literally break down a cover two, a cover three, a cover four, how to recognize man. They go through all of that, and that literally translates into, all of, like, exactly what we're talking about. It's just you get to watch a video of it. So... It's not to the level of Kerwin or any of the other ones that John mentioned, but if you just want to have a better understanding of defenses, just go through those. You, you'll have more fun doing it because you'll be able to play it and you have to like basically complete certain passes and things like that. But go through it and understand like what we're talking about when we when we talk about these coverages. It's it's there. But like John said, I can't go to Germany and speak German. But if I could go to Germany and speak just a little bit enough to get by. It gives me a knowledge base to build on, and that's exactly what John is talking about right now. So uh, good points, John. I agree 100%. All right. All right, guys. Uh, that's going to be it for Texans Unfiltered this week. Uh, real quick, make sure you guys go to RunGameClothing.com. That's RunGameClothing.com. Use promo code UNFILTERED for 15% off your order. I've been really bad about doing that at the beginning of the show, so forgive me. They are the official sponsor of Texans Unfiltered. And with that being said, we will catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.